welcome everyone to Understanding the I Am That Is You podcast. Hey everybody, it's your girl Wynn Ruffin, and I pray all is well with everyone tonight, and your hearts and minds are full of love, joy, and compassion for yourselves and everyone else all over the world. But if not, and it may be easier said than done for many, we got to work on it. But we never truly know what's going on with another, and none of us know our own final moments. That being the case, it's better to be more loving to ourselves and others than hateful. I know that's not always an easy task looking at it from our human perspective. However, when we view all life from the point of view of the living God within us, our mighty I Am Presence, then loving ourselves and others becomes natural and not burdensome, even amidst the darkness. It becomes a joy to represent the love and light that we are, and an honor to embody the spirit of the living God that created us. And no doubt, blessings for ourselves and the world when we radiate that love and light back into the atmosphere. Amen. Give thanks and praises for love and light. And y'all be loved. This is the spirit of infinite love. The moment we recognize ourselves as one with it we become so filled with love that we see only the good in all. And when we realize that we are all one with this infinite spirit, then we realize that in a sense we are all one with each other. When we come into a recognition of this fact, we can then do no harm to anyone, to anything. We find that we are all members of the one great body, and that no portion of the body can be harmed without all the other portions suffering thereby. When we fully realize the great fact of the oneness of all life, that all are partakers from this one infinite source, and so that the same life is the life in each individual, then prejudices go, and hatred cease. Love grows and reigns supreme. Then, wherever we go, whenever we come in contact with a fellow man, we are able to recognize the God within. We thus look only for the good, and we find it. It always pays. There is a deep scientific fact underlying the great truth, He that takes the sword shall perish by the sword. The moment we come into a realization of the subtle powers of the thought forces, we can quickly see that the moment we entertain any thoughts of hatred toward another, he gets the effects of these diabolical forces that go out from us and has the same thoughts of hatred aroused in him, which in turn return to the sender. Then when we understand the effects of the passion, hatred or anger, even upon the physical body, we can see how detrimental, how expensive this is. The same is true in regard to all kindred thoughts or passions, envy, criticism, jealousy, scorn. In the ultimate we shall find that in entertaining feelings of this nature toward another, we always suffer far more than the one toward whom we entertain them. And then when we fully realize the fact that selfishness is at the root of all error, sin, and crime, and that ignorance is the basis of all selfishness, with what charity we come to look upon the acts of all. 
It is the ignorant man who seeks his own ends at the expense of the greater whole. It is the ignorant man, therefore, who is the selfish man. The truly wise man is never selfish. He is a seer, and recognizes the fact that he, a single member of the one great body, is benefited in just the degree that the entire body is benefited, and so he seeks nothing for himself that he would not equally seek for all mankind. If selfishness is at the bottom of all error, sin, and crime, and ignorance is the basis of all selfishness, then when we see a manifestation of either of these qualities, if we are true to the highest within us, we will look for and will seek to call forth the good in each individual with whom we come in contact. When God speaks to God, then God responds, and shows forth as God. But when devil speaks to devil, then devil responds, and the devil is always to pay. The more one loves the nearer he approaches to God, for God is the spirit of infinite love. And when we come into the realization of our oneness with this infinite spirit, then divine love so fills us that, enriching and enrapturing our own lives, from them it flows out to enrich the life of all the world. In coming into the realization of our oneness with the infinite life, we are brought at once into right relations with our fellow men. We are brought into harmony with the great law, that we find our own lives in losing them in the service of others. We are brought to a knowledge of the fact that all life is one, and so that we are all parts of the one great whole. We then realize that we can't do for another without at the same time doing for ourselves. We also realize that we cannot do harm to another without by that very act, doing harm to ourselves. We realize that the man who lives to himself alone lives a little, dwarfed, and stunted life, because he has no part in this larger life of humanity. But the one who in service loses his own life in this larger life, has his own life increased and enriched a thousand or a millionfold, and every joy, every happiness, everything of value coming to each member of this greater whole comes as such to him, for he has a part in the life of each and all. In Tune with the Infinite, by Ralph Waldo Trine, 1910. Isis Unveil, Volume 2, Chapter 2 We beg the reader to note well the underlined sentence, as we mean to test its truth impartially. We are prepared to adduce proofs, undeniable and undenied even by the Popish Church, forced, as she was, into the confession, proofs of hundreds of cases in relation to the most solemn of her dogmas, wherein the spirits lied from the beginning to end. How about certain holy relics authenticated by visions of the Blessed Virgin, and a host of saints? We have at hand a treatise by a pious Catholic, Gilbert de Nijen, on the relics of saints. With honest despair he acknowledges the great number of false relics, as well as false legends, and severely censures the inventors of these lying miracles. It was on the occasion of one of our Savior's teeth, writes the author of Demonologia, that Dinajin took up his pen on this subject, by which the monks of St. Medard de Soissons pretended to work miracles, a pretension which he asserted to be a chimerical as that of several persons who believe they possess the navel, and other parts less comely, of the body of Christ. A monk of St. Antony, says Stevens, having been at Jerusalem, saw there several relics, among which was a bit of the finger of the Holy Ghost, as sound and entire as it had ever been, the snout of the seraph that appeared to St. Francis, one of the nails of a cherub, one of the ribs of the verbum caro factum, the word made flesh, some rays of the star that appeared to the three kings of the east, a file of St. Michael's sweat, that exuded when he was fighting against the devil, etc. 
All which things, observes the monkish treasurer of relic, I have brought with me home very devoutly. And if the foregoing is set aside as the invention of a Protestant enemy, may we not be allowed to refer the reader to the history of England and authentic documents which state the existence of a relic not less extraordinary than the best of the others? Henry III received from the Grand Master of the Templars a file containing a small portion of the sacred blood of Christ which he had shed upon the cross. It was attested to be genuine by the seals of the Patriarch of Jerusalem and others. The procession bearing the sacred file from St. Paul's to Westminster Abbey is described by the historian, two monks received the file and deposited it in the abbey, which made all England shine with glory, dedicating it to God and St. Edward. H. P. Blavatsky The story of the Prince Radzivil is well known. It was the undeniable deception of the monks and nuns surrounding him and his own confessor which made the Polish nobleman become a Lutheran. He felt at first so indignant at the heresy of the Reformation spreading in Lithuania, that he traveled all the way to Rome to pay his homage of sympathy and veneration to the Pope. The latter presented him with a precious box of relics. On his return home, his confessor saw the Virgin, who descended from her glorious abode for the sole purpose of blessing these relics and authenticating them. The superior of the neighboring convent and the mother abbess of a nunnery both saw the same vision, with a reinforcement of several saints and martyrs, they prophesied and felt the Holy Ghost ascending from the box of relics and overshadowing the prince. A demoniac provided for the purpose by the clergy was exorcised in full ceremony, and upon being touched by the box immediately recovered, and rendered thanks on the spot to the Pope and the Holy Ghost. After the ceremony was over the guardian of the treasury in which the relics were kept, threw himself at the feet of the prince, and confessed that on their way back from Rome he had lost the box of relics. Dreading the wrath of his master, he had procured a similar box, which he had filled with the small bones of dogs and cats, but seeing how the prince was deceived, he preferred confessing his guilt to such blasphemous tricks. The prince said nothing but continued for some time testing, not the relics, but his confessor and the vision seers. Their mock raptures made him discover so thoroughly the gross impositions of the monks and nuns, that he joined the Reformed Church. This is history. Bale shows that when the Roman Church is no longer able to deny that there have been false relics, she resorts to sophistry, and replies that if false relics have wrought miracles, it is because of the good intentions of the believers who thus obtained from God, a reward, of their good faith. The same Bale shows, by numerous instances, that whenever it was proved that several bodies of the same saint, or three heads of him, or three arms, as in the case of Augustine, were said to exist in different places, and that they could not well be all authentic, the cool and invariable answer of the church was that they were all genuine, for God had multiplied and miraculously reproduced them for the greater glory of his holy church. In other words, they would have the faithful belief that the body of a deceased saint may, through divine miracle, acquire the physiological peculiarities of a crawfish. H.P. Blavatsky The I Am Discourses, Volume 15 Blessed Ones, I could talk forever on the blessings that will be yours when you begin to call forth into yourselves, first, through yourselves, around yourselves, and into your affairs, the heart flames of sacred fire love from, of course, always your presence first, 
but from the ascended masters and cosmic beings, to create eternal perfection in this world, and into all life that you contact. Your business in life is to expand perfection to the rest of life, and that perfection is eternal and ever-expanding. That's the law of the universe. It's the law of all constructive action. When you make up your mind that that is to be your daily habit, that's to be the routine of your use of life every day, nothing could be denied you, and you would automatically have your world filled with the same great heart flame of sacred fire love that you call forth into outer physical conditions. If you care to experiment with this and establish this as a heart flame around your physical body and realize that you abide within that, and wherever you go, you live in the heart realm of life, then you pour forth to the rest of life your heart's command to life. And when you choose to use the heart flame sacred fire love from any ascended master or cosmic being, from any of the angelic host, you have but to make the call, and the flame descends, and love answers its own instantly. It is very much more enjoyable, I assure you, to go through this world and fill it with the heart flame of sacred fire love from your presence and the ascended host, then go through your daily experiences of struggle and strain and problems and mistakes and limitations, and the conditions that you have experienced up until now. But those conditions can cease from this hour if you care to reach up and accept this which I offer, this which I have the authority and power to release into you and through you and into your affairs, in your conditions, and into the nation, as the power of the ascended master's life that saves the nation from the discord mankind has imposed upon it. Beloved ones, as you continue to call to the angelic host for their sacred fire control of manifestations here, you will be the happiest people that ever drew breath in this world. And I just want you to remain happy for eternity, so let us use it from tonight. Applause. Thank you so much. The Great Cosmic Angel. Now there's one more thing. From the outer self standpoint of the feeling world, it's not easy when people are discordant and imposing downright discord upon you, to call divine love to bless them. We appreciate that, but if you will still yourselves first, fill yourselves with our heart's flame of sacred fire love, and ask us to wrap the other individual or the condition in our heart's flame of sacred fire love, as you call it into yourselves, first of all you disconnect your own life energy from the condition. And if you ask us to wrap the condition in our sacred fire's love, we can do it. That sacred fire love will change the condition when you in the emotional body, because of your own feeling world, cannot do it. I do not mean that you shouldn't try, but if you'll only realize that the sacred fire love from an ascended master's heart is the master control of manifestation in this world, you will hold yourselves filled with that. You will feel it around you, and then you ask it to go forth and bless the rest of life, and you have complied with the great law of love. That's what makes you master over the manifested universe. That is what enables you to wield unlimited power, and at the same time be kept eternally, invincibly protected. There is no power superior to the heart flame of eternal love. Whether that heart flame comes from your beloved I am presence or the hearts of the ascended host, or the heart flame of the physical sun or the heart flame of the great central sun, matters not, the heart flames of the angelic host. There is the one master presence and power of life to which everything in the manifested universe bow and gives obedience, and it's the only thing worth serving. From tonight, I trust you will experiment with this. If you choose to live in our heart realm of our heart sacred fire love to enfold you in our world of its eternal perfection, wherever you abide life will be purified, harmonized, blessed, and raised into the harmonious way of association with you. It is the way you can harmonize your world for eternity, and not be subject to the limitations or the distress of the present conditions in the outer world. 
So, we hope you will let us insulate you in the sacred fire love of our own heart's realm of life and let our ascended master power and presence of that sacred fire love pour its eternal blessing and perfection in and around you and become an eternal part of your life stream, as you give it to the rest of the world, till this world becomes a sun presence of its victory also. So, we commend you to the enjoyment of using the master power of life's almighty victory and control of the manifested universe, by the only thing that permits it to exist. May you go forward and live in the heart realm of our sacred fire love, the sacred fire love of your presence, and let us show you what magnificent blessings await your use, and what magnificent temples of the sacred fire become your powerhouse of manifestation to give to the rest of life the happiness of eternity. Go forward and dwell with us in our world of the heart's love to life, and you will never have cause to regret it. Thank you with all my heart. The Great Cosmic Angel